Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. You can be seated. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. I invite you to open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. As we look at the reality of Christmas. Last night, the kids came in and we watched our, uh, one of our Christmas favorites, The Christmas Story. The story about Ralphie getting his Red Ryder BB gun. Um, and that, that story ends with, uh, a, 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 has an unusual ending. There's this beautiful turkey in the kitchen that's picture perfect. And the bumpus dogs from next door charge through the screen door and they take the turkey down. And the turkey's scattered and the family had planned this great turkey dinner and dad just holds up one of the wings that's left on the floor and says, get dressed. And he takes the family to a Chinese restaurant, which in those days that was all that was open. And they have the waiters sing to them in their broken English and bad accent. And the, they bring a duck out to them with the head on it and everything. And they have to chop the head off. And I'm thinking, that really isn't the Christmas that they had planned. But they did all right. I have found by experience that Christmas, usually in my brain, doesn't come out the way I planned it. My celebration of Christmas. So I want us to look at the reality of it. And hopefully find some encouraging words from Scripture today. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. And in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their, overnight, at night over their flock, And the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The choir just sang about that. Today, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord, is born for you in the city of David, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in cloth and laying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all people he favors. The angel had left them and returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Familiar story. I love reading the Christmas story. 
we read it and we rejoice with the shepherds and the angels and Mary and Joseph. And we think, man, what a neat thing. And we, we may have in mind this picture of the nativity and, and how exciting it is. Maybe you have a nativity set in your house and, and you look at that and say, how, how neat that is. But I want us to step back and think about how difficult it was for everybody I just read about. So two points this morning. Can you believe it? Yes, Pastor, we can believe it. Number one, number one. Christmas often fails to meet our expectations. And by Christmas, I mean when we come to this time of year and we have these expectations of how it's gonna go, whether it's the family gathering or the, what you do in the morning or opening gifts or preparations or planning, whatever, Christmas often fails to meet our expectations. Well, I think about Joseph. I want us to look at that in Matthew chapter one, if you would turn there. Luke chapter one and Matthew chapter one give us this story. Remember, Luke and Matthew both writing their perspective of actual events from how they saw those events. But if you look at Matthew chapter one, verse 18, this is Matthew's telling of the story, and he talks about Joseph. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered that they came together, that before they came together, that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her, divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Let me just stop right there. We already sang about Emmanuel, God with us. That, that engagement time was that year or so of betrothal where, where a couple was to be married and they, they didn't live together, they didn't sleep together for a year and part of that was to prove the purity of the wife, the, 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 the fiance, the lady in the relationship, to prove her purity. And in the midst of that, Mary comes up pregnant. I think it's interesting how Matthew just writes, it was discovered. Can you imagine Joseph's shock? What he's processing in his mind this is not the way I expected this marriage to be started off with. I didn't expect to start this way. I sure didn't expect to, to have news come to me that this one I'm engaged to to be my wife is now pregnant. And fortunately, the, the angel comes to Joseph, and I'm sure that went real well. As Joseph and Mary go, but an angel told us it's okay. Can you imagine in the village where they are? Mary's pregnant. Did you see her? Well, that's cool. Joseph and Mary said an angel is taking care of this. Think about how difficult that may have been for them. Tell you what, Christmas often fails to meet expectations. Joseph had a, a plan for his life and Mary had a plan for her marriage and it turned out differently. But then when they find out that this is the Holy Spirit conceived Son of God, things still didn't go that well. That well. When they go to the Bethlehem and, and to be forced by the government to have to go to be registered when your wife is pregnant and about to deliver. And think about how difficult that was. I made a trip from Dallas to Corpus Christi, when my wife was pregnant, how, how, how far along pregnant were you? I mean, from, from Dallas to El Paso. Eight months pregnant in a little bitty hot rod, little Datsun 280Z something with, with, with racing suspension in it. Are you all with me? Those long trips with pregnant women are not pleasant. <laughs> we know every bathroom from Dallas to El Paso, everywhere you pull off there. That's the kind of struggle Joseph and Mary are having to get there. That's not what they planned. They didn't plan to make that trip that way. The timing wasn't, wasn't right. 
timing of the taxation. I have to be registered. I have to make that trip. Joseph discovering that she's pregnant. What about the place? Okay, we've got this together. God's told us that this baby is conceived of the Holy Spirit and we're gonna show up and man, we're gonna get the, we're gonna get the, the presidential suite at the Bethlehem Hilton. Surely, because God's in this, right? Because God always does it right, doesn't he? Doesn't God always have his best for those who trust him? We've heard that. I believe that, but God's best for them wasn't what they expected. No room in the inn, no room in the lodging place. Baby born in a feeding trough, a manger with the animals. Most likely one of those caravan lodging places where there's other smelly animals and smelly people around. Not the way they planned it. About the shepherds. Sure wasn't in their agenda for the day. To be frightened by a bunch of angels in the heavens. Then to have to leave the sheep to go to see what was going on. And we didn't go into the rest of chapter 2 of Matthew, but we have the story in chapter 2 of Matthew. We'll read that Christmas Eve about Herod and his anticipation of somebody coming in to take his power and throne away and Herod being threatened by that and then going and murdering the innocents there, the, the children under two years of age. You talk about a tragedy. All that stuff doesn't quite fit the nice, neat little picture of a Christmas card Christmas, does it? That's the way it was for them. That, that just underscores this truth. Christmas failed to meet their expectations. The first Christmas failed to meet their expectations. And our Christmases today are going to fail to meet our expectations too. Are you waiting for the perfect Christmas? You've got a long wait. Because when you think you've got it all put together, something's going to occur or happen or a twist or a wrinkle that you didn't plan on. And praise God, sometimes he's in those twists and wrinkles, right? And you get to see him work and do things that would not have been done, would not have happened if we hadn't stepped back and let him rearrange things. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, I'm sharing with you our routine. Clark Griswold opens the door and the family shows up. And they're, they're the family. Are you with me? And it's chaos, and it's turmoil, and it's hectic. And one of them says, this is what Christmas is all about. See, if you're, if you're expecting the perfect Christmas, it may not be perfect. By the way, because, because you're not perfect. You might be the one messing up somebody else's perfect Christmas. Tell you what, even though Christmas may not be perfect from what we plan, we have a perfect God who planned a perfect delivery of a perfect Savior who could give his life for us completely. And that same perfect God that orchestrated those events is the same God that's orchestrating events today. I don't know what's gone haywire with your Christmas or what may go haywire with your Christmas, but I, I promise you God is sovereign and he wants to use every circumstance of your life for his glory. Romans chapter 8 says that God works all things for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And then it goes on to say in verse 20, his purpose, 29, his purpose is to predestine us to the image or the likeness of his son. Can I paraphrase that? 
God uses everything, if you love the Lord, God uses everything in your life to shape you in the image of Christ. And sometimes that means chisel time. It's not just kind of polishing you up. Sometimes he gets out the sandpaper. Sometimes he gets out the file. Sometimes he gets out the hammer and chisel because he wants to use every circumstance of your life, even your imperfect Christmas, to shape you into the image of his son. God often interrupts our plans and our expectations because he has greater things in mind than we do. I mentioned in our prayer time this morning, we can trust God. I don't know what he's doing, but I know he's active behind the scenes. I know that that he wants to do some great things in the lives of everybody affected by tragedies. I know he wants to do great things in our lives, and we can trust him with that, especially when he comes in and interrupts our plans. Someone said, uh, once the news got out about Mary and Joseph, his, uh, his carpentry business probably didn't do too well. Probably people didn't want to use him. You can trust God in all the unexpected uncertainties of life. And God's going to use those things to do more than you could have orchestrated or imagined yourself. I have a sign on my wall in my study at home, and you might think this is stupid, but I need to see it. It says on there, I am not God. By the way, the title of this is Confessions of a Perfectionist. Basically, I wrote some things down that I needed to be reminded of, that God really doesn't need me to straighten stuff out. I'd like to straighten some of you out. I mean, really, I think I could help some of you. But God says, Kevin, I can take care of them. I can take care of them. He's God and I'm not. I can trust him with that. And what I have to do is, I believe Joseph and Mary got there, I don't know how quickly, but God did a work in their heart. And they went from from struggling to submitting immediately. They went from trying to fix to just letting God have complete control of their life. So maybe some of us need to hear that to stop resisting what God is trying to do and just surrender. When I was a kid, we used to go to Mexico a lot because I lived on the border in El Paso and we'd go across the river. And sometimes we'd come back with, I don't know why we got these in Mexico, but Chinese handcuffs. We could get them. You know what those are? Go figure. And you put them on your finger and, or you put them on somebody else's finger and then say, pull. what happens? You pull on those things and you can't get out of them. The harder you pull, what happens? The tighter it gets. The harder you pull, the more difficult it is to get out of whatever it is, to get out of the handcuffs. But when you release it, the pressure's off and you're free. I thought that's a perfect illustration of what some of us need to be reminded of this Christmas. What's God doing in your life? Just Just stop pulling against him and just give in. Let him do what only he can do. Just look for God's hand. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will constantly be crossing our paths and canceling our plans. I don't like to hear that. I really don't like to hear that, but it's true. God is constantly going to be interrupting my plans and my purposes. 
By the way, here's another truth that I don't really rejoice in, but it's true. As I go through the Gospels, almost every encounter Jesus had with someone was an interruption. You read those healing events. As he was going, a woman touched him. As he was passing by, a man came to him. As he got there, as he was on his way to do something else, somebody interrupted him. And those interruptions are divine God-appointed moments where God does incredible things that are recorded in the Gospels. And if I'd been walking around, I'd have seen him as interruptions. I can't take care of that right now. I'm headed over there. But Jesus saw them as divine appointments. We can trust him. Had a conversation with a young lady this week, tears in her eyes about a circumstance in her life. And as she shared, I said, man, I know exactly what you're going through because I was right there. And I shared with her my experience, which was 30 years ago, 32 years ago now, where I was fighting and struggling and, and I just came to that place where God said, Kevin, this is where I want you. Would you be okay with that? I wasn't ready to say yes, but he just kept tugging at my heart and said, what if this is right where I want you? And I said, I was actually driving. I pulled my car over. I was sobbing. I couldn't even see the road. I was crying so hard. And I said, okay, God, if this is where you want me, I'm okay with it. And it's like that moment, everything in my life changed. I suddenly saw people differently. I saw where I was living differently. I saw the circumstances of my life differently. What changed? My heart. Christmas often fails to meet our expectations. Will you just open up your heart and say, Lord, have your will and your way with me? Number two, we, Christ followers, can keep the true meaning of Christmas alive. We can keep the true meaning of Christmas alive. I usually spend some time reminding us of how commercial and how um, pagan the celebration of Christmas is in our culture. I don't, I'm not going to do that today. I want to come back today and challenge you, first of all, to understand the first Christmas wasn't perfect. God used it because it was in his perfect plan. And then to say, we're here. We know the truth. Let's use it to make a difference in people's lives. Look at John chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? John chapter 1, this is really the true meaning of Christmas. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, who is the Word? Skip down to verse 14 with me. The Word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word is Jesus. The, the eternal Christ living from eternity present. In the beginning, the word was there. The word became flesh. The second person of the Trinity, born in, the, in human form, in the person of Jesus, Messiah, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the meaning of Christmas. In that same chapter in verse 12, the Bible says, to all who receive him, did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. See, here's the true meaning of Christmas. 
God sent his son into the world, God in the flesh, it's called the incarnation, so that those of us in the world who needed to be saved could be saved through him. Verse 12 says, how do you do that? You believe and you receive. As many as believed, understood the truth, accepted it, and received him by faith. Tell you what, we need to focus on the birth of Christ this Christmas. Focus on that reality of John chapter 1. Because that's the, that's the theological interpretation of Luke chapter 2. John chapter 1. Focus on that. Heard about two ladies gotten together for a celebration in a really elegant hotel. One of those deals where, you know, you get dressed up for and they were having lunch and a friend walked by and saw them and stopped by and said, uh, what's the occasion? And one of the ladies said, well, we're celebrating the birth of my son, my baby boy. And the friend says, that's great. Where's the baby? And she says, well, you don't think I'd bring him to a place like this, do you? Don't leave the true meaning of Christmas out of the birthday celebration. Sometimes we, we do that. Focus on that. Keep that, that, that reality that Christmas is about God becoming man so that we can be redeemed from our sin. I like what Joe Stoll shared recently in a devotional. He said, it's not about the celebration, it's about imitation. I'm going to take it a next step to, and say incarnation. See, instead of thinking about Christmas just being a celebration, think about the fact that, that he calls us as followers of Christ. We looked at this recently, to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow him. And we said that to take up our cross means to, to surrender completely to him, to, to say that we're under that death sentence. To say that we've laid our life down for him because he laid his life down for us. That's how you keep the true meaning alive. Instead of just talking about it, we live it. Joe Stoll tells a story of his dad, who was a pastor, often on Christmas Day would say, Joe, I'm, I'm going out. Do you want to go with me? He talked about the struggle of there he is a, little kid with his brand new toys and do I want to keep playing with my toys or go out with my pastor dad? Because he knew what his pastor dad was going to do. This is what he did every year. He, he would go visit the elderly, go find a widow, go find a shut-in and he would go and just share Christmas joy with them. He said, Joe, these people, some of these people don't have anybody. I'm just going to go love on them. I'm going to go tell them I love them. Joe says, of all the Christmas celebrations, the most impact he had was not the way they celebrated Christmas, but, but that his father imitated Christ, that his father did what Christ would do. And, and I'm, again, going to take it the next step and say it's not just about imitation, it's about incarnation. It's about God living his life in us and through us. So you want to make a difference in the culture? You want to make a difference in, in people this Christmas? Let Christ live through you. That's the true meaning. That's how you keep it alive. Several years ago, someone shared this letter with me, so I'm going to read this to you. It says, it's a letter from Jesus about Christmas. Dear children, it has come to my attention that many of you are upset that folks are taking my name out of the season. Maybe you've forgotten that I wasn't actually born during that time of year and that it was some of your predecessors who decided to celebrate my birthday on what was actually a pagan festival day, although I do appreciate being remembered any time. How I personally feel about this celebration can probably be most easily understood by those of you who have been blessed with children of your own. 
I don't care what you call the day. If you want to celebrate my birth, just get along and love one another. Now, having said that, let me go on. Let me skip down. He says, stop worrying about the fact that people are calling the tree a holiday tree instead of a Christmas tree. It was I who made all the trees anyway. You can remember me anytime if you see any tree. I, I want you to, to give me a present of remembrance on my birth. So here's my wish list. So this person thinks this would be Jesus' wish list, and I, I like it. I won't read the whole list for you, but I'll read some. Here's, here's his wish list, birthday list. Instead of writing protest letters objecting, the way, objecting to the way my birthday is being celebrated, write letters of love and hope to soldiers who are away from home. Visit someone in a nursing home. You don't have to know them personally. Just show them someone cares. Here's another one. Instead of giving your children lots of gifts you can't afford and they don't need, spend time with them. Tell them the story of my birth, why I came to live with you down here. Hold them in your arms. Remind them that I love them. Here's another one. Pick someone that has hurt you in the past and forgive him or her. I like that one. Pick someone who's, who's hurt you this year and choose to forgive them. He says there may be someone in your own town who may attempt to take their life this season because they're so lonely and hopeless. You may not know who that is, but try giving everyone you meet a smile. That could make the difference. Instead of nitpicking about what the retailer in your town calls the holiday, be patient with the people who have to work there. Even if they aren't allowed to wish you a Merry Christmas, that doesn't keep you from wishing them one. Here's another one. If you really want to make a difference, support a missionary, especially one who takes my love and good news to those who have never heard. That's why we have our Lottie Moon Christmas offering for missions. And I just number 10, the last on this list. Finally, if you want to make a statement about your belief in and your loyalty to me, then behave like a Christian. <laughs> Live it. Don't forget, I am God and I can take care of myself. You just love me and do what I've told you to do, and I'll take care of the rest. Your Christmas may not be what you expected. That's okay. God's at work. You do what you can do to keep the true meaning of Christmas alive. Pray together.